Hi, I'm Kyle. Uh, and I'm Trevor. And uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema, where uh, I had Kyle catch up on 2002's uh, Dog Soldiers, directed by Neil Marshall. Um, so this guy, like right off the bat, I want to talk about Neil Marshall, because I feel that this is a director that you're probably very familiar with, you just didn't know it. Um, I know him... Uh, because I saw this movie when it premiered in the U.S. via the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, I was, what, 13, 14 around the time? Uh, if I recall, it was it was cut for television, so it was edited a bit. Um, I saw it probably at like 3 in the morning, so I barely remembered it at the time when I first saw it. But th- that was 2002. Flash forward three years later, uh, he made a film called The Descent. Very good uh, movie. Which yeah, I was about to say, I happen to really like that. I really like that uh, I was fortunate to catch it in the theater, and I got pretty wrapped up in it. Uh, I thought it was a very intense experience. Um, I enjoyed that movie. I can't speak to the quality of the sequel, but uh, as far as I know, he only produced that. Uh, following that, he made a movie called Doomsday in 2008 that I did not see, but it looks like a prodigy concert in Scotland that gets out of hand or something. <laughs> I, I think it looks like Mad Max meets uh, Resident Evil. That's the two that yeah. I could see. Yeah, 2008. I mean, we were very much in the thick of the uh, the Resident Evil film franchise, kind of carving its niche into Hollywood. It has um, Rona Mitra, who might be the hottest woman to ever live at that oh, time. Oh, she's gorgeous. Um, Hollow Man. That was uh, quite important yeah. to my formative years. Yeah, in all the <laughs> um, wrong ways. But then following Doomsday, uh, he kind of dipped out of theaters. He, he uh, started working in television uh, on a lot of shows that you're probably familiar with, if, even if you haven't seen them. Uh, Game of Thrones being the most noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am Black familiar Sales, with that. Constantine, Hannibal, uh, Westworld, Lost in Space on Netflix. He's, he's been putting in work uh, just off of the silver screen. Uh but now his current project is the new Hellboy movie, starring uh, what was it? David Harbour, I think. David Harbour, yeah, Harbour. Yeah. yeah. So this is a guy who I don't know how you felt about this movie, but he seems to dabble in works that work for you, and and by extension work for me. Um, I did not really like this movie that much. Um, it, I liked parts of it, but on the whole, I feel like it was kind of long-winded. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue for this type of movie there was far too much dialogue and I wanted blood and guts uh, which is what I was kind of expecting yeah it has a it has a weird rhythm to it um, and I think a big reason for that is budgetary limitations um, they they do some really clever editing here where they they do their best to hide uh, the quality of their effects work um, and it shows, especially in the earlier portions of the film, they, they go to great lengths to not show you the monsters in this film. Yeah. Towards the end, they kind of throw that out the window, and fortunately, the makeup effects are actually not that bad. No, they're pretty good. Uh, they were wise to, to hide them as best they could, but at the same time, the payoff is not disappointing. I've seen far worse. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, that it's really it's really not bad. I just... it. They took too. He took too long to introduce the actual monsters, and I think that might be one of my big problems with a movie like this. Um, fake blood. How much does fake blood cost? I'm gonna go ahead and say that they used real animal intestines for this, probably. More than likely. Yeah. Um, cool, but 
Um, you could have gotten more fake blood. You could have done some more well, gore. Especially when, like, the later portions of the film are, like, the, the classic uh, siege scenario. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, be it a, a zombie movie or, or what have you. It's, a, it's kind of a classic horror trope to have a bunch of people boarded up in a, in a house and some awful things trying to get at them. We've seen that so many times before, and uh, part of the problem with working with tropes is that there's always, like, that one outstanding example that kind of shits on everything else that's out there. Like, for me, um, like, theatrical gunfights where everything's, like, kind of over the top and not meant to be taken seriously, like, you have John Wick movies and Hard Boiled, and everything else is just kind of secondary to that. Okay. And then, like, Dead Alive, in terms of graphic bloodletting and and over-the-top makeup effects delivered, like, one after the other, there's very few spectacles of gore and mayhem that can compete with that. True. So you're forever going to be comparing that, comparing, like, subsequent films to that. And I think that's part of the problem with a movie like Dog Soldiers, is that you see familiar scenarios and familiar circumstances, and then there's an expectation that they'll rise to the occasion but it's like sometimes you just can't <laughs> uh i'm gonna do some homework uh on like you mentioned like the practical effects um the the makeup and everything mm. uh i've i've found some from my film class the horror film class that i took i found some some films that my prof- the professor at the time had recommended if you like these iconic films or whatever we're, we're covering this week there's some other ones and i found some um splatter horror by doing that some more splatter horror films I've never heard of B movies that are really probably not good but would have some really good practical effects apparently yeah, actually I have a couple of movies on our, our list of future episodes that are, are there specifically for that reason I might, not because of the quality of the film but because I thought you might like to see some of the effects that they did my girlfriend's out at a brewery uh, for this evening <laughs> so I might be uh, might be watching one of those B B movies you might um, indulge yourself. <laughs> so, real quick, uh, I wanted to just talk about folklore. Uh, okay. So, this movie does a pretty good job at um, secretly not making this a werewolf movie, but making this a lichen movie. Um, there's a <laughs> little. I, I read about a little bit of the differences between werewolves and lichens. Um, spoiler alert: This is a werewolf movie. Um, but a lot of <laughs> in case the sh- you didn't know so there are attacks that happen at daytime and uh, not when the moon is out um, I noticed that in this movie which made me think I'm like well maybe these are, these aren't werewolves but when you actually see the monsters like okay these are werewolves and then we find out later that it is um, but lichens are actually of the two are the ones that actually can just be in the daytime did um, I? And he was doing a good job of following the rules too. And Silver wouldn't have done anything to him. You have to, uh, it said like decapitate him or remove the spine from the body or some shit. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't, and it ends up going just back to werewolves. Um, yeah, um, it's a little hazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, they do. By the end of the movie, they kind of establish what the rules are. But in the early goings, um, there's actually like one rule that got tossed out there that. I had never heard of. Perhaps you had. Um, uh, they mention a unibrow as a symptom of werewolfism or lycanthropy. That just sounds like mean Scots talk to me. Like, oh yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone else in the room, like, 
seem to know about that. Uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a UK thing. Dude, I had subtitles on for this movie, and I had to look up slang in this movie. Oh yeah, no, uh, this is a a very Scottish. British film. Yeah. If you've ever if you've ever encountered that, um, good for you, because yeah, there's going to be a lot of terminology and a lot of accents that are going to give you some give you some grief. <laughs> yeah, I had um, to look up a few. Yeah, uh, I had the subtitles on as well. <laughs> I mean, that's normal for me. But um, so I may as well give a plot rundown. Yeah. Uh, so this movie uh, is about a squad of I think army, British army. Sure. Guys, uh, fooling around the woods. They're doing maneuvers or something, and they're supposed to be uh, coming into contact with a SAS unit in the woods in the in Scotland. In the Highlands, they're in the Highlands. In, in the Highlands of Scotland, um, so it's British Army guys versus SAS, and it's a training exercise of some sort. Yeah. With, you know, no live ammunition, stun grenades only, and over the course of the film, uh, it becomes apparent that uh, training exercise is completely botched <laughs> um, because there's something out there in the woods that tore apart the SAS unit. And now is coming after both the army guys and the SAS. And it turns out to be werewolves. So if you don't mind, I'd like to jump in with the opening scene, if that's cool. Absolutely. Okay. So we have um, a nice Scottish couple. Um, they're next to their tent. Uh, looks like they're just doing a little bit of camping with each other. Um, I love you. Always have. Always have. Uh, they're getting <laughs> married by the moonlight by some weird Scottish uh, priest. No, um, it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> But they're sitting there talking. Uh, it's interesting. I did not expect these two to die because, I don't know, they developed these characters a little bit better than we do with, I think, in American horror films of the first people that die. Like, oh, no, no, these are the dead people. Like, you well, don't... not only that, there, there's a thing in American horror movies, uh, typically slasher movies, where the casting spells it out to you how valuable these characters are. Yeah. Where it's like, Okay, she's insanely hot, and her shirt is off. Yeah. Within five <laughs> seconds of meeting her, she's dead. <laughs> oh. and, and that dude's name is Chad, and he's trying to bang her. He's dead. Yeah. These two are kind of homely looking, and and they look like a genuinely happy couple. Yeah. And apparently he's a writer or something, and they're just hanging out in the woods. <laughs> yeah, they give him an occupation, and you can tell that it's his birthday or like there's some kind of celebration. Like they're yeah. hanging out. She gives him. <laughs> they seem like decent folks. <laughs> she gives him um, a letter opener because he's a writer, and it's made yeah. of silver, which is a really nice gift. And then yeah. um, they're about to get down to some tent fucking, and I like this gag with the zipper. He starts unzipping her pants, and he stops. Because there's a zipper still going, and it's the zipper to the tent. That was cute. I thought that I like was that. I like that. Um, and then yeah, then she gets hacked. She doesn't scream. There's no screaming in this scene, by the way. There is, and I actually made note of it. Um, the stock scream sounds that they used for her, I think, were also used in Nintendo 64 Goldeneye. <laughs> And it's a little pathetic. Oh, <laughs> it's a little pathetic. I thought you were going to say it was the Wilhelm. It's like, come on, not like not a single audio technician on this film has a wife or a girlfriend or a sister or a daughter that can come into the booth for but five seconds. No one's got a chum or a chap that can do a funny girl scream. Oh, you gotta listen to me. Go listen to do the woman scream. Do I mean, the at woman least that scream. would make me laugh. Yeah. If like the lady's supposed to be screaming, you just do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing. They are dispatched from this world, and then um, t- 
two hours prior to this, we yeah. get the... It, it reminded me of the opening scene of Hard Target, because that's the only thing I've seen. Oh, that's the only part I've seen is uh, just a dude running. Um, I had, oh, Or the opening scene of Wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a legit laugh here. So um, there's a, a strawberry blonde gentleman. He's running, and uh, there's some. He's in like civvies, and these guys are all in like military clothes. And he starts getting into a fight, and um, the flashlight to the head. I laughed out loud to that. That was pretty I did funny. Too. Um, I did too. I, I said I called it flashlight foo. Um, it's very, very uh, early two thousands. It's like, we're going to do some complicated martial arts here just because, this, even though it doesn't make any sense. We, we've definitely covered comedy horrors before. This is stepping onto comedy horror, because the, the jokes are... There's physical jokes. Um, I don't think that there's much dialogue jokiness. I mean, they try to, but it's hack. It's just hackneyed. Um, but there's a lot of it's, physical comedy in here that goes un, yeah. unnoticed. Like, it, it it's really interesting. Um Maybe that's it has an interesting tone because yeah, all the acting, like all the dialogue exchanges and the emotional intensity is there. Yeah, like it, feel, it, it that's feels like a real movie. That I'll pay to this movie is that the actors did show up to play. I agree. Like they actually gave a shit and they delivered their lines with aplomb. But yeah, the the physical aspect of it though, there's a lot of like slapstick shit in this movie that doesn't feel right. But it's done well though. Yeah, it, it's well done. It's just like really, we're doing that now. Okay. okay. <laughs> But it's it's so subtle and so like fast paced that you wouldn't even know it, it's not a gag like it, it you wouldn't even notice it like there's one scene with the uh, the mail slot which I thought was really funny uh, yeah we'll get to that <laughs> uh, but yeah anyway um, so this character's name is Cooper or Coop and uh, he's played by Kevin McKidd uh, who as far as I know he's most known for being on that HBO show Rome okay um I'm almost positive i could be wrong but i think he was on gray's anatomy for a while i remember and him from train spotting i think he's the one you haven't seen train spotting have you no yep. it's on All the right. list I think. it is <laughs> future episode we potentially will catch up on or i will catch yeah. up on train spotting but um kingdom of heaven like 10 years ago uh he i remember he put out a, a demo reel like him, a professional working actor put out a demo reel of him working with a stunt crew mm. and doing like a, a fight scene with like three dudes. And it was because I guess he was doing like Crazy Anatomy shit for too long and he was wanting to get back to doing like, oh, okay. burly action man movies. Uh, clearly it didn't work out because I haven't seen him since, but I remember it was really interesting seeing his reel pop up on a, on a website I used to frequent. He's in Hannibal. Norm, normally, it's like indie people. He's in Hannibal Rising, which I like. I'll admit it. I yeah, like. You've that mentioned movie. that before. I haven't seen it. It's not good, but I like it. And it shouldn't. Like I, I think I mentioned before, it shouldn't be called. It shouldn't be a Hannibal movie. You could have just made a new cannibal movie. But anyway, um, I think that he's lost out to the Norwegian gentleman from Game of Thrones, and he's also in that Thing remake. And yeah, um, I know who I know who you're talking about. And Sean Bean. <laughs> Scene Bean, Sean Bond. Scene Bean, I think he's lost quite a bit to Scene Bean because he, he looks like he could have had him some roles. He's, he's a good looking dude. He's he's tough. He's tough. He's manly. But um, yeah, he's got he's got the he's got the ruddy complexion and the, the right wrinkles, and he's got the Scottish accent. He can, accent. He could be good. He could be bad. I mean, 
No, it, he seems like a decent actor because I was actually impressed with him. Yes. Yeah. Like, I thought he was very good. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Anyway, uh, he's running through the woods. It's raining. It sucks out. And then he gets cornered uh, by a bunch of dudes. And it turns out that this was a part of some sort of SAS training exercise. So they, uh, through some exposition, we learn uh, that his CEO is, like, proud of him for having survived, apparently, in this rainstorm for 23 hours <laughs> evading mm-hmm. capture um, but there's like one last element to his training that he needs to pass and that involves shooting a dog yeah it's pretty rough so this is actually uh, this actor um, Liam Cunningham uh, yeah. what's his name in this Captain Ryan yeah. um, he's from Game of Thrones and he's a really he's a really affable character he's really likable in that show I've, I, I really like him in that show and he's a really good guy which is He's a very charismatic actor. But like he he seems like he should be narrating like like war history dramas yeah. or something. <laughs> uh, he he's a bad guy in this and he when he screams at him at one point like it's it's fierce. Like it's 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 intense. Um but he's basically telling him he's like if you don't shoot the dog, you're making moral decisions or something like that and I can't have you I can't have that on my team. He's like, "No, you're going to do it." And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it because I have no reason to. He's like, I'll shoot a dog. I'm not going to shoot this dog, though, because I don't yeah. want to. And I thought maybe this was a test, and he was going to be like, good. And he's just like, uh, no. And he, sh- and he doesn't shoot the dog. Like, the bad guy shoots the dog. Just yeah, Captain Ryan shoots this dog in the brain. And, uh, yeah, as soon as that happens, it's like everybody in the audience is like, well, he's going to get torn open. Yeah. <laughs> like you Something bad's going to happen to him. You can't kill a dog and be the good guy in a movie. Yeah, you can't <laughs> kill a dog. You can't punch a kid. You, like, can't, you can't redeem yourself after that. No, after that, like, if you don't die in the movie, the whole audience is going to go home angry. They're going to riot in the yeah. streets. Yeah. Uh, whoever wrote the script is going to have their house burnt down. It's not going to be pretty. Um, so we flash forward four weeks later, I think. Yeah, two flashes yeah. pretty early. I had to stop and, like, hang on a sec. Well, not, like, a flash backwards, like, two hours, too. Yeah. It's, it's very flash strange. Back. So did we flash back, did we go forward four or four weeks and two hours, or just four weeks? Uh, I then it should assume four weeks. Because then it should be... From, from two hours earlier. Which should, it, should, <laughs> it should be dark out still. So, <laughs> this is bullshit. It's like, this is bullshit. This is the worst script ever written. I hate it. Um, Downvote. Yeah. Do not like and subscribe. So, um, yeah. so we cut to a helicopter, which does not look military to me. It looks very civvy. Yeah. I don't know what the British use for their helicopters, but it what looks like something. It just has army painted on the side of it. It looks like something you'd use to get to Jurassic Park. Um, Pretty much. So this helicopter lands in the middle of the Scottish Highlands, mm. and it drops off, I think, about a half dozen army guys. Yeah, half a dozen. A little over yeah, half they, a dozen. Yeah, they they half they uh, hoof it into the woods, and then like as soon as they touch down though, like half of the guys ditch their helmets. Yeah, like, I noticed. Literally that. toss them onto the ground. I was like, what? <laughs> well, they have little uh, little yellow things on the tip, like that orange painted tip that you get with toy guns. Um, that lets us know that this is a training exercise. And then you've got dudes just popping their hats off, and they're like, okay, this is this is a training. Yeah, we're, exercise. we're serious, but we're not that serious. Yeah, and also. Uh, you, you know the audience probably appreciates being just being able to see everyone's faces clearly to introduce everyone right away yeah um, so we get introduced to the crew um most prominent among them of course is uh cooper 
yeah. Kevin McKidd, who we've already met. Uh, so we learned that, oh, he's part of this army unit. Uh, but the the real standout here is a fella, um, I actually had to look up his name. His name is Sean Pertwee. Oh, dang, that's a, that's a name. Um, yeah. This is a, a veteran British character actor that's done a lot of sci-fi and horror movies and stuff. Um, he's always welcome. I've never seen him turn in a bad performance. He's always very charismatic, and he's really fucking good in this movie. Um, I guess Gotham is still going on, and he's a pretty big deal on that. I didn't know that show was still on. Neither did I. My brother said it was awful. I'm like, not surprised. Like, he derives ironic enjoyment from laughing at it, apparently. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, he plays the sergeant, and immediately I started to... I don't know if this is just me, but I started to like establish parallels between this movie and Aliens. Yeah. So he's Sergeant Apone, and uh, it's no mystery that Cooper very quickly becomes the Hicks of the group. Now the beautiful day in the core. (laughs) And then uh, there's a fellow named Joe who is bitching about a soccer game that he's going to be missing. I just want. I just want. I just want to watch him watch this match because I can tell you right now that it's. He's if he does get his way and he got to watch this match, it was not going to go the way Germany were going to win four to zero. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) I just want to watch him melt down. Ah, for fuck's sake! (laughs) For fuck's sake! No, this Joe guy is all about his his football, all he's, about the footy. I mean, he will not shut the fuck up about this goddamn soccer match. He's in the military, and he's bitching to his sergeant like, "I would rather be back watching the fucking game. This is just a training exercise. I went out of this chicken shit outfit. Uh, you beat me to it. Yeah. Basically, I said Joe is the Hudson of the group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a Hudson when I see one, and point." Yeah. No. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there's there's so much jargon in this movie, and it comes oh at gosh. such a rapid pace. Uh, there's it can make Guy Ritchie's nose bleed. That's yeah. That's how um, quick there, it's there's going. just so much Britishisms and Armyisms in this movie that it's like you don't understand most of it, but it you just sounds it. cool. If you sounds badass, if you're watching this, you've seen something along those lines. You understand exactly. what's happening. Um. The one line I caught here, though, when they first touch down is uh, basically the Sarge, uh, Mr. Pertwee, he gives a, uh, a rundown of the situation. So mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to traipse around the woods. There's some SAS guys out there that we're going to have to tangle with. Let's do our best and kick ass. Uh, the one line that I caught in here, though, that I wrote down, I thought was pretty awesome. He says, I expect nothing less than gratuitous violence from the lot of you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. That'll get you motivated. <laughs> there's some there's some funny lines in here. Um, no, there's a, there's quite a few. I wrote some of them down. Oh, I mean, just and, in this one scene. Uh, yeah, no. Pretty much anything that comes out of his mouth is gold. Like, yeah. If, if you... It, it was coming so fast that I couldn't write it down. But he, oh. he definitely stood out among this group. I fast-forwarded through this part on my notes. I put it down as jawing, walking, sitting, whistling. Uh, it, yeah, uh, we get a we get a couple of montages of them just like traipsing through the woods, uh, getting from place to place. It's, there's not much that happens. It may as well be a helicopter shot from Lord of the Rings, yeah. minus the pretty scenery. Oh, that's smart, we, Peter Jackson. That's that, that, that's not that's a good way. I never thought about that. That's a good way to show that they're walking and not just have them like <sighs> just actually walking. Like, oh, let's let's take a let's get a nice landscape shot in here. Let's get let's get it all in. Smart, PG. No. P- PJ, Peach. Peach. <laughs> Peach. 
Only, only difference is this movie didn't have enough money to afford a helicopter for more than an afternoon. The Lord of the Rings could have the Lord of the Rings could have solved like some kind of cancer. Like it could have cured a cancer with the amount of money that went into the production of those three movies. Easily. Two cancers. Well, Two cancers. Well, six movies now. If you count the Hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah, and apparently the most expensive television history in the history of television. Um, Amazon is making a Hobbit show. Or a Lord of the Rings show. I literally just finished reading The Hobbit, and then I'm like, I'm going to watch the movies. So, the first one's good. I like the first Hobbit movie. The other two, really, like, they add stuff into it, and then the second one, you just lose it. The third one, I couldn't even, I couldn't watch. I could not get through it. I don't actually know anyone who's watched it. It, it, I don't think it can be done, Trevor. I don't think it can be done. I don't think you, <laughs> you don't can understand. Watch. It's not possible. I don't think he made a third movie, so <laughs> it doesn't exist. There is there is a sequence in the in the film and the book where they're wandering through the forest and they're like all dazed and hazy and they're like keep going in circles. And in the book, they keep coming upon these elves eating at a table and they keep going up to see them. And then they disappear. It's the Lee um, Lee Pace. Uh, Lee Pace's character from the movies and it just keeps happening in the book they don't show that in the movie but I think he puts a spell on you in that second movie and they're like oh yes there's a third one <laughs> but there's no there's a third movie there's no third movie Trevor it doesn't <laughs> you will, exist you will recall that it exists but you'll never find it <laughs> um, real quick before I forget I, because I, it was real <laughs> I put um, I wanted to ask you have you seen the Sam Neill uh, I just watched The Hunt for the Wilder People uh, a few weeks ago, so he's been on my mind. Uh, did you see the the, the three-part miniseries Merlin movie that Sam Neill did? I did. I, I kind of want to do an episode on that um, in the near future. I put it on there. It's on Prime right now, which is why. I looked it up. I'm like, also, it's on Prime. Um, uh, I'd be down for that. Um, I barely remember it because I saw it when it first aired. Exactly. Um, uh, my parents recorded it on VHS. That's exactly how I watched it, too. We recorded um, it. However, the tape got uh, scrambled. Gotcha. Uh, so I only got to watch it the one time when it was originally airing. The ca- I may not have finished it, either, because I seem to recall having to go to bed mm. like, a couple of times before the episode ended. That's going to have to come up here soon. I, I enjoy that. We'll, we'll add it to the list. Okay. It, oh, I already added it, and I highlighted it green because it's on Prime. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I digress. Let's keep going. Um, so the one major thing that comes out of the sequence of them walking through the woods is when they, they uh, make a campfire. Yeah. So they're they're hanging out. They're all doing the military thing where people swap stories. Uh, thankfully, nobody talks about going going to Fenway Park and getting a hot dog or talking about their mom's cooking or yeah. two days to retirement, you or know, whatever like my, cliches. Or I would act like I was asleep and my mom would come home. Kiyobani repeats yeah. his very sad. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> hey, Sarge, what did you do back in the world? <laughs> I was a school teacher. <laughs> like, school blah, 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 blah. Um, and, yeah, nobody has any... Uh, photos of their girlfriend like taped to the inside of their helmet thankfully she reminds me of my niece uh. <laughs> uh, that would have made me laugh so hard if somebody did that like if somebody had to save a child from a werewolf <laughs> <laughs> sorry sir like directly disobeying an order like sorry sir she reminds me of my niece yeah idiot sorry vin you had that coming he deserved caparzo or whatever caparzo gosh yeah. caparzo um, always dies <laughs> like, that guy's dead. <laughs> you are too right Italian. Get-go. You are too Italian. Caparzo was the Ed, uh, that not 
Ben Affleck dude, whatever his the oh, the handsome Ed guy. Ed Burns. Yeah, Ed Burns. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Capar. I think that was Caparzo. I'm like, dude, you are too Italian from Brooklyn to be in this outfit. Okay. <laughs> that would have been so funny if, like, after the beach landing, like they they reconvene, like they reconnoiter, and everybody's just like. How the fuck did you survive? I like, would put money down that Sizemore clocked him one time on that set. Just one time. I, I can tell you right now they did not get along. I, si- Sizemore clocked somebody. It may as well have been him. You gotta go for the biggest guy in the yard, you know? Hey, hop him. <laughs> hop him. <laughs> hop him. Hey, come over here. Come here, you little fucker. <laughs> you wanna get me some cigarettes? Hey, give me some face. cigarettes. They're not letting me off here. I got a curfew at 10. <laughs> Steve's not letting me go. Hey, do you know where I can get some blow? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, he's got that one suit. Just always ready to go. He's ready to for go. Whatever reason. Ready to go. For yeah, whatever sure, court date Honor. he has. Yeah, community next service. weekend probably. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so funny if they had to shut down production on Private Ryan because Sizemore had to go to court. <laughs> like ah, spiel. Steve, Steve, yo, Steve. Tom, uh, I got a date this weekend. <laughs> Tom, you tell him he doesn't hate you. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, sorry. Uh, Cooper, they're all like swapping stories and they keep asking each other what they're afraid of. Like, what are you af- It's it's weird how they jump into they're like, "What are you afraid of?" And they just kind of go back and back and forth, back and forth. Um Yeah. Um if I remember right, uh we cut away from this and we see that uh Captain Ryan is in the woods with them. Mm. Uh so he has the drop on them. Like he knows they're out there. They don't know where he is, but he's observing them at a distance. And I think this is when we get to the campsite, campfire scene proper. He where gets a, we start swapping stories, and uh, he gets everybody starts first. listing off the uh, the worst elements of the human condition. One of them says castration. Yeah. Joe, of course, says missing football. <laughs> um, and Cooper, uh, Kevin McKidd, says spiders. And women, and or spider, spider women, women. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very clever, and actually comes into play later in the movie, uh, namely the women thing. Yeah. Um, and then um, the sergeant has a, a little. They ask the sergeant what he's afraid of, and he. I don't want to say the story, but it's a good little. It's a good little story, and it's kind of. He does the dialogue is really good. Like he delivers it really well, and you get a really good picture of what he's talking about. And it's pretty heavy. Um, and then, yeah, I, I won't. I won't go into the details of it because he told it really well. Yeah, but ba- basically, it's a story about a friend of his dying in Iraq, and uh, just the experience of seeing of of losing a friend, but having having that moment of losing the friend be instantaneous, but the fallout from it taking some time to like hit you. Yeah, um, specifically seeing pieces of that friend. Like yeah, so the friend gets turned into chunky salsa. Yeah, uh, but like over the course of however long a time, like they they find pieces of him, and then they find like a preserved piece of him that yeah. has like a tattoo that spells it out to him that this this hunk of flesh used to be my friend. Um, and and then, then he gets interrupted by a dead cow. Oh no no a flying so dead cow. This, this is where I got the jump scare because I believe Joe like he to cut the tension like this is a tense little scene. So I believe it's Joe starts telling a joke, and uh, 
he's he's just working through the joke, and I got a legit jump scare because I was listening to the, I was watching this on my laptop while Steph was in here, and she's like, "You just gasp like out loud. You just had a gasp." <gasps> the the cow dropping in like like I'm like, "Oh shit!" I, like I was not expecting it. It was a legit jump scare. Like yeah, it, it's it's akin to. Well, no, it's not. It, I was about to say it's like where's the goat, except without the preface of. Nope, where's it the is. Goat. It is okay. That's the third. It's, that's, it's very sudden. There's um, three instances. That's the third instance of a Jurassic Park ripoff. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a, a butchered dead cow just flops into the middle of this group, and the way they handle this is really strange because, like, of course the Sarge whips everyone up into shape and says, like, everybody, okay, we're gonna take shifts now. We gotta have people, you know, scouting the woods, make sure that we don't get ambushed here. But nobody seems to be bothered by the fact that a thousand-pound animal just dropped from the sky. That's because the sergeant <laughs> gives my favorite line in the movie, and I quote, "There's no because they want him to call in. They're like, we got to get out of here. Like this is stupid." And he goes, "You're a bunch of pansies, pretty much." He goes, "There's no way I'm going to break radio silence because you lot got spooked by a dead flying fucking cow." <laughs> like I said, there are some choice lines in this movie they're actually quite good i'm like think about what you just said why was there a cow flying how did it get there how? like what how did it get airborne and and it's like yeah. nobody seems bothered by this they're bothered but the sergeant's just like you guys are a bunch of pussies this happens all it's the like, time just shut up go to sleep <laughs> yeah pretty much so uh cut to an ugly time lapse shot of a moon um pretty ratty footage i'm sure it was stock footage but it just looks terrible um and then uh we get to see that captain ryan is still on their trail so he's observing from a distance with night vision binoculars and then we get a separate viewpoint uh, a perspective shot in like gray gray heat vision basically so it's like gray vision and it's observing him mm-hmm and then this gray vision evil deads him <laughs> like yeah. the camera runs into him essentially and then we see some blood splatter on a rock so it's implied that uh captain ryan the the prick <laughs> was was offed by something in the woods and then uh i think this is when the army guys finally find the sas encampment yeah they find the sas encampment um it's disgusting um the, the sergeant does a pretty good job of getting out the guys together. Like, a couple of them are trying to freak out. The other one's dawdling, like, trying to mess with other stuff. And he's like, all right, listen, bitches, get the guns. This is real now. Uh, get on the yeah. radio. And he's like, I can't get anybody on the radio. And he's like, well, get the other radio. And, like, this radio's busted, too. So, like, fuck, we're going to have to. I think this is also when they find that uh, the radio equipment's been bugged. Like, it has some sort of tracer unit in it. Oh, I didn't notice um, that. But, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of MP5s at the encampment, so whoever did this didn't take the equipment, and they swap out their L85s, their British assault rifles, for German submachine guns with live ammo. <laughs> um, and uh, while they're uh, sacking the place, though, that's when they discover Captain Ryan. Uh, he's not dead. Davos. Davos from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, that's his character name? Sir Davos. Yeah. Hmm. Um... Maybe I saw him. Was he in the first season? Yeah, I believe he so. He hangs out with the the platinum blonde lady. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, no. That's yeah. no, I have seen that's, him on that show. Um, okay. You're thinking of uh, the guy from Resident Evil, um, and Tomb Raider. He hangs out with um, the blonde lady. Oh, okay. 
different guy. Okay, may- maybe I'm full of shit. I've only seen the first <laughs> season of Game of Thrones, and that's about it. Yeah, you you can keep those first two seasons. They're not that great. <laughs> they're, they're really not. the The third season is when it really gets its stride, and it fucking picks up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they they get they get him, and he keeps saying there there's, there was only supposed to be one. There was only supposed to be one. So we're like, okay, so it sounds like he's been up to no good. Um, he they take him with like they bandage him up it looked like he died for a second there was one one cut one like shot where he just kind of stops like he goes kind of ghost white i'm like did he just die like okay that was weird but he doesn't die he keeps going yeah (laughs) Um, now now we're kind of just walking through the woods yeah um what happens here oh fun line by the way um as they're as they're uh, loading up the live ammunition and stuff uh the sarge calls out like if you see anything out there in the woods, be it like little little red riding hood or whatever, I expect you to tin the bitch. <laughs> I, I like, tried, that's a good line. I what what is that supposed to mean? I thought it was some kind of slang. Uh, I'm guessing shoot him. <laughs> that, yeah, I guess so. I'm like I looked it up on Urban Dictionary. I look up a few things on Urban Dictionary. I learned some things. Um, that was one. I'm like tin the bitch. I'm like I guess shoot, but we'll just chalk <laughs> it up to that. Um, um, but one other thing that Cooper points out though is that this camp has i mean it's very obviously the sas camp so these are the people who are supposed to be opposing them in these in this you know training op uh they have tranquilizers and nets and coop coop notices this and he's a little like why would special forces have nets yeah tranquilizers (laughs) it's almost as if uh the commanding officer of this mission is robert muldoon (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, they're they're walking. and then yeah they 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 uh, pack up Captain Ryan and they decide to head to the rendezvous point I guess where they'll be picked up by a chopper or something yeah and uh, we get a really cool scene where it's like a minute long and everybody's like taking up positions they're getting ready to head out and uh, the Sarge is just rattling off awesomeness it's just too fast man yeah. I couldn't write this shit down but he concludes it by just like shouting. Mostly to himself, I think. So, come on, sunshine, fucking shit dicks. Yeah, that's <laughs> one I had to look up. Shit dicks. Yeah, Love that it. that one's you don't want to use. Um, <laughs> that's not good. Um, that's not something you want. Don't call somebody that in the UK. It will not be met with um, kindness. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they there's some some grab assing happening around. Like they're I, I called it playing soldiers out in the woods because they kind of one's just kind of going up in front and then he gets uh, killed by this is where I was like okay these are lichens because this is happening in the daytime uh, he gets fucked up by one of the so uh, this um, our first on screen casualty in this movie besides the gal getting ripped out of the tent uh, is an accident <laughs> not the <clears throat> not, not the, the guy. is that the first death that's not the first yeah. death the guy running I think into the, so. no no there's a dude that dies before that really yeah because that i have um intestines uh, is my note uh the main the the sergeant oh, the sarge yeah no, sarge sarge comes after him because sarge comes to save him okay yes 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 so he impales himself he gets conan uh <laughs> i love that yeah scene. if you've ever seen uh, conan the barbarian um he There's gets a fellow with Iron Maiden hair. That, oh, it's, it's Sven Oli Thorson. Sven Oli Thorson, yeah. 
he uh, yeah, he gets a awesome awesome yeah, awesome impalement death. one of the best of all time he should have shook his hand because that's an awesome way to go out because it is fucking brutal uh, I, I love Arnold cocking his head when he's looking at him. He's, he's just like, like up close, kind of looking you at You got him. something in your chest. <laughs> you <laughs> might want to pull it out or something. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, he gets impaled, then the, uh, the lichen rips him off. And then the Sarge is out looking for him, basically. Um, he tries to kill the lichen. He gets swiped or smacked, or either way, he gets cut across the belly, spilling it four. That's four. Spielberg <laughs> Doctor um, Grant. He was calling. He was calling Spielberg a pussy because he didn't show the uh, the intestines spilling out, or so, maybe across the belly, spilling, spilling your, your intestines. intestines. Um, this was uh, this was a funny. I had a good laugh at this. Um, not him with the intestines hanging out, but because uh, that is fucking chilling and Saving Private Ryan when you see that in that opening sequence. Um, yeah, but he. He's sitting there, and one of the guys... Now, one of the things I know that if your intestines fall out, you can survive, but you're not supposed to put them back in. And one of the guys <laughs> starts putting them back in, and the sergeant's like, don't put it back in. What are you doing? It's I, I had a legit laugh at that. That was pretty funny. Yeah, well, I kind of laughed because, the again, this is where this movie's like very strange sense of humor starts to creep in a bit. So Cooper shows up, and he manages to scare off this thing that still hasn't been confirmed to be a werewolf or a lichen or whatever we've only caught like a couple frame glimpses of it um <clears throat> he fends it off and then he goes to assist cooper uh, he goes to assist the sarge who again has his guts hanging out and coop starts like trying to shove his guts back into his stomach and the whole time they're yelling at each other and the sarge is like they're not gonna fit they're not gonna fit <laughs> Yeah, like his, to- his tone and delivery is just kind of funny. Well, I think what's f- what's weird about the movie, like there, are, this is like walking a line um, between dark comedy and just not knowing where to place the jokes in a serious movie. Like if you think about Die Hard, like where he's like making the emergency call and she's like, "This is an emergency channel." He's like, "Well, no fucking shit, lady." It's not like I'm ordering a pizza. Like that's a funny moment in a in a tense scene, but. We don't have intestines hanging out and somebody putting it back in, but the delivery is like sincere. It's like, no, oh, it's not gonna fit. It would be fun if this was, if this was like um, a farce or some kind of like parody movie. It would be funny of them trying to like stick it back in or, or Tropic Thunder. They do it at the yeah. beginning of Tropic Thunder. Yeah, um, with the arms or whatever. It's just a creative way to to make dark comedy, I guess. Maybe he didn't realize that's what he was doing when he was doing these jokes. Maybe not. Uh, I mean, there are certain things that clearly are meant to be funny, but I'm not sure if this was, but I laughed. I laughed. I laughed. <laughs> I, again, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be funny. Um, anyway, we all start falling back, and we get uh, the first major alien encounter from Aliens, where the Marine, the colonial Marines get ambushed, and uh, everything starts going to shit. Yeah. Uh, major difference being... Um, all of our guys here in Dog Soldiers make it out, actually. Um, the one fella got impaled. He's dead. He did to himself. Uh, also, yeah, that It was his happen. fault, man. He, he got himself killed. Um, but yeah, we all start falling back, and our merry band of army troops, they're all shooting off into the distance. We, again, we don't really get a good glimpse of what they're firing at. 
but we know whatever it is, uh, they're kind of panicked and they're just trying to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And we get a lot of perspective shots. Um, very clearly, the werewolf vision is represented by gray perspective shots. Um, on occasion, they put them up high because these werewolves are quite tall. Um, yeah, they're pumpkin head. They reminded me of pumpkin yeah, head a little bit. In fact, like the last shot we see of them has like very clearly actors on stilts. Yeah, it's a kind of a cool visual. It is. Like, I actually kind of like the look of the werewolves in this movie. I appreciate. I mean, uh, because of budget, I'm sure uh, they don't. There's not a lot of CGI in this. Um, I didn't see any, to be I, honest, there except was, for maybe a couple of moon shots or something. It was when Davos is uh, the the captain is changing um, the nails on the on the table. Oh, okay. Just 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 a little bit here and there. It's it's very very small where, wherever it's at, um, but it's a lot of a lot of people with hand uh, with the prosthetic hands basically doing Jurassic Park behind the door once they get to the cabin. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, as we're falling back through the woods, um, a random jeep just pulls up on the road, and it's being driven by a young lady. A posh lady. A po- yeah. Um, you know that actually, line. it's one of the better lines in yeah. this movie towards the end. Um, Fuck, I love it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good yeah, this posh lady uh, pulls up in a jeep, and uh, all of our army guys file into the jeep, and... You know, amazingly enough, everybody fits, <laughs> including yeah. Captain Ryan and everything. And we get a fun little scene where a werewolf hand punches in through the roof, and one of our guys jabs a knife into his forearm. It's pretty savage looking, because he like jams this knife like right into the middle of its forearm. Yeah, you don't want that. And yeah, uh, they get away. Uh, al- aliens tribute completed. <laughs> Um, in fact, I seem to recall there being some like bugle music or like trumpet music or something that sounded kind of reminiscent of aliens here. Um, and we also get like our first almost look at what these werewolves look like because as it's trying to get its arm through the roof, uh, you can see its snout in the window. Yeah, but that's it. Um, so we're 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 doing the really calculated move here with the editing where it's like we're, we're gonna reveal the monster in in pieces yeah like we're gonna take our time with this and i i respect that because you don't want to blow your wad too early when it comes to your grand reveal of your monster yeah um, um they get then we pull up to a farmhouse <laughs> they get they <laughs> get figure. they get to the farmhouse and this is where i had a problem with the movie um because we just kind of do the same scene like three times in a row before we actually do anything. Um, so they're they're pretty much just stuck in this house and the they're basically getting ready for them to try to break through the house a few times. Um, we do get the 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 lichen like trying to bust through the door at one point and uh, I had written down um, the dog the dog biting on the dude's intestines um, that was that was fun i um I, I had a pretty good laugh at that um also i know my dogs and my root my my dog rue she actually is a border collie mix so she looks a lot like this dog so i'm like yep i can definitely see her doing that like no Rue, get <laughs> off of the intestines it's not food <laughs> yeah we, we pull up to the farmhouse um it's clearly recently inhabited because the stove is still on yeah. Like, there's a tea kettle on and everything. A creepy house. There's lots of antlers and skulls adorning the walls. See, I wasn't... 
I must have missed it. Uh, I thought this was her house that they were going to. Um, I'm not sure if it was explicitly stated in the early goings. It's revealed later. Exactly. Um, I don't think it was. So this entire time I was... Well, she says... Okay, so I need we need to know if it if it was explicitly stated because at one point somebody asked where the bathroom is and she knows exactly where it's at. Um, yeah. So I I was under the assumption that that this was her house and she took them back there. Uh, I have the Wikipedia pulled up. It says uh, we could look it uh, up. <laughs> the the group meets Megan, a zoologist who takes them to a lonely house belonging to an unknown family. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, that's a little... If I would have known that, it would have been like, oh, how does she know where the bathroom is? Well, huh? put it this way. On my notes, and again, I, I re-watched this movie basically remembering none of it. Um, in my notes, I said, farmhouse, guaranteed siege scenario. Oh, yeah. Are the owners going to be the werewolves? Creepy building, lots of antlers and skulls. So right off the bat, I suspected as much, even without, even without knowing. I did not suspect that. <laughs> I thought that the I now I was under the impression that uh, the captain had these had gotten out and like everybody was getting getting hunted by these and then he's like fuck there was only supposed to be one out here like maybe mm. it was like a like might take my boys out here we have to kill this thing and there's only supposed to be one of them out here something like <laughs> that but uh, and then it just grew exponentially yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so yeah, when we're when we're first going into the farmhouse, uh, Cooper is investigating like the living room and stuff, and we get a dog jump scare instead of a cat. Customarily, it's always a cat. <laughs> um, Dick Tracy, and, cat. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, turns out this dog sticks us with, sticks with us pretty much through the end of the film. Yeah, um, I like this dog. The, yeah, I did too. It's a cute dog. Um, and yeah, I happened to notice. Um, I'm not sure. If if the soldiers notice this, but I noticed that this lady is super comfortable with a gutted man in the room with her. Yeah. Like, there's a guy with his guts literally hanging out and she's like just fine with it. I mean, yeah, she's definitely doing Marion Ravenclaw versus um, uh, the whoever was in that second Indiana Jones. Like she's very grounded and aware of the situation. Um, and those are kind of the two that you get in horror movies. You're either going to get the one who's, Totally grounded, or the other one who's hysterical, which the second Indiana Jones. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, Willie, <laughs> borderline unwatchable now for me. Yeah, good old Willie, <sighs> Spielberg's wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's in there for a reason. Yeah, um, and it ain't her singing voice. Um, so yeah, uh, one thing that uh, jumped out at me here is that uh, when they're in the jeep she's basically explaining to them that she's aware that there's some shit out in the woods and she's looking for help so she was like kind of happy to run across them yeah which you know is a little suspicious but given given the circumstances you know we'll we'll hand wave it away well she Um, hadn't listened to our episode on 28 days later yet so yeah yeah Yeah. Um, we get a conversation here in the kitchen where cooper has basically assumed command Nobody seems to have a problem with it, um, because Sarge is gutted. <laughs> I'm comfortable um, with it. I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> uh, nice little editing trick here, where again, like you said, some of the conversations this movie get a little monotonous, especially yeah. at this stage in the film. Uh, but they give him like a, a literal egg timer that he's spinning yeah. on the table. So instead of just cut, to, you know, 
action reaction between two people talking we get to cut to his hand like spinning this egg timer while he's thinking about things and it just breaks up the visual monotony that can sometimes come from dialogue scenes and i like that especially when they they end the conversation he punctuates it by like standing it up and like banging it on the table and he's like okay we move yeah five meter spread (laughs) um and then we get a weird thing that happens or the idea is we're all going to move out together um she hints that there's like another another farmstead or something nearby and then we try to go outside and the jeep has been torn to pieces Mm -hmm. now how the fuck did they fuck the jeep without anyone noticing like that would make quite a bit of noise yeah, there. These guys can tiptoe a little bit. There's another another Jurassic Park scene in here where the guy's sitting in the car and he's just like, "You're behind me, aren't you?" Uh, and like, how did it? How the fuck did it get in there? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, these these are like supernatural creatures. I, I don't know the rules, but tearing a, literally tearing a jeep to shreds, that makes some noise. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, by the time we get outside, jeep is fucked. And then I think we get our first attack sequence on the house, which is where the um, the editing in this part was kind of fun because of the dog business. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, when we come back into the house, a werewolf tries to follow them in, and so we get everybody braced up against the door trying to keep it out. And while they're tangling with this werewolf at the door, poor Sarge is sitting in the corner, and this dog, the friendly dog, <laughs> so cute. just like bites one of his intestines and starts like yanking on it i love collies man i love border collies uh, I, just, I was just like oh no 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 you're not supposed to be playing with that you're not supposed to be playing with that no, 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 no. and yeah no. it's playing tug of war with with this man and his, oh, his, his intestines. guts <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny it uh, is funny but it's it, that's what i'm saying like i don't know if it's meant to be and if it is it's very dark like it, it's it, very dark and i think it is meant to be funny because um when we fend off this werewolf and the way we do so is through the mail slot um cooper sticks his mp5 in the mail slot and shoots it out the door they are, like one of the things that uh the sergeant says is like hey conserve your ammo which you should always do these dudes are like video game wasting bullets in here oh yeah all throughout the movie even after we've even after we've explicitly stated on camera three shot bursts conserve your ammunition everybody's just going tommy contra gun. it's like contra <laughs> without switching guns contra three just, they're doing <laughs> they've got both guns going and doing flips with this shit just <laughs> <laughs> somersaults yeah just doing machine guns like release the y button <laughs> for one goddamn second. i didn't do that when contra i would just walk with my gun charged uh just, just, <laughs> just keep going but yeah it needs to be said every time there's gunfire in this movie they are full auto they're spraying and praying it is <laughs> is slightly unprofessional spraying and praying that's a good way to put it <laughs> but yeah uh, even oh. cooper who is the one pleading with everyone please for the love of god yeah. conserve your ammunition even he resorts to sticking his submachine gun through the mail slot and just blah. Do you remember, do you remember Tropic Thunder, where Ben Stiller's the only one that doesn't think that it's like he thinks it's all fake, so he does like that roll and then ah, he does that like <laughs> there's a trailer shot. Like that's how much they're shooting in here. It's just yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Oh my god, do you know how many? people would be slipping on shell casings and stuff oh yeah be like, be like fucking home alone that's what i was gonna say it's like kevin McAllister's <laughs> there trying to keep you out of the house 
They're like, where's where's Marv? Get yeah. Marv in here. <laughs> Somebody's got to take a pratfall here. We just actually um, we just watched uh, Home Alone three, Home Alone two, Home Alone Home Alone one in that order. We did the full full shift right there. Oh wow! But, I mean, that's good times. Yeah. And the third one's not as bad as you think it is. You know, I saw that in school. It was like a, a winter like substitute teacher movie or something. Nice winter substitute teacher. That's that's money, dude. Oh, yeah, that's that's the <laughs> ultimate in apathy. Oh, <laughs> um, um, so yeah, yeah uh, we fend off the first werewolf attack, and uh, the reason why I say I think this was intended to be funny, the gag with the guts. Yeah, <laughs> the gag with the guts. Yeah, um, is uh, the scene ends with one of our fellows. I think it was Spoonie. Uh, Spoonie pukes on Captain Ryan's head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Captain Ryan... So Captain Ryan, during the chaos, is actually about to trying shoot to the... shoot the dog. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what he does, apparently. So his... You know, you can either fight off the werewolf or address the dog that's yanking on the guy's gun. I've, he goes straight for the dog. I've thought about this, and I understand where he's coming from. Um I have to think about it because I have a barky dog sometimes. She hears something, she starts barking. I'm like, if there's zombies outside and we have to keep quiet, or like we're in a, in a situation where we have to stay absolutely quiet, I'm like, she's a fucking problem because she doesn't listen when we say don't bark. And so you're, you're, you're Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds, and she's Tim Robbins. I'm, I might have to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to put him out. I might have to put him, put so him down. So the other dog is Dakota Fanning watching you be cool dad? I forgot about that scene. That's I, It's one of the more questionable scenes in that movie. I don't, and I happen to like that movie. Is it good? I, I remember liking parts of it. I remember... Maybe I need to watch it now. But I've also seen the scary movie where they make fun of it so many oh. times. <laughs> there, are, I mean, spoiler alert. There are two scenes in that movie that I have serious problems with. Um, there's that one. And then there's when Tom Cruise's son leaves. Yeah, that was dumb. I remember that. Uh, the reason why I have a problem with it is because the son comes back. He should be dead. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the scary movie parody of it, but when he le- he tries to leave and Charlie Sheen, who's playing the dad, he's like, no, you can't go. Like, why, dad? They'll pay for half of my schooling. <laughs> <Or something like that. laughs> like, oh, well. If, the, it, the best gag in that, in that scary movie that I remember, and maybe the only one I remember, it's the solenoid. Which one? Um, the scary movie with uh, Craig Bierko as Tom Cruise. Um, oh, yeah. So there, there's the thing where, in in the World Worlds movie, uh, there's a van that isn't working because, like, there's an EMP. Yeah. And the way Tom Cruise gets the van working is, like, he replaces the solenoid in the van. Yeah. Um, and in Scary Movie, they do the same thing. And it's like a running gag almost. It's like and any any mechanical problem is like oh it's, it's solenoid. <laughs> the it's like capacitor. the one gag I remember from that fucking movie. Uh, um, but yeah. So yeah, uh, we we survive the first attack from the werewolves. Um, like I said, the scene ends with Spoonie, uh, who's a shaven head fellow who comes into play much later in the movie. He's like one of the cooler people in the movie. I like I like him. Spoonie's cool. He boxes, doesn't he? He's the one that boxes. Yeah, he's he's the he's the werewolf boxer. Yeah. Um. So he pukes on Captain Ryan's head, which I guess just puts him out so bad he just gives up on killing that dog. He's just like, whatever, man. <laughs> you're ra- like you're out of the like you're out of the the tense 
portion of why you wanted to kill the dog, and now you've got you've got other problems. Now you got vomit on your head. That's just, yeah. that's very serious. Yeah, and then uh, we get another calm before the storm moment where you know everybody's <sighs> doing their their army swapping story stuff. Uh, there was one anecdote in here that um, I don't know. Maybe you do, but uh, they mention a battle. Uh, they call it Rock's Drift. And it, the way they described it was like uh, Zulu tribesmen, I think, versus British soldiers. And it was like, it basically sounded like British Thermopylae, so British 300. Oh, okay. Uh, um, no, I'm not I'm not uh, up to date on my British I mean, I'm not a military history. historian, but... Like, I'm not either. The, the whole idea was, I guess it's a battle where it was many against few, and the few won or something, or died to the last man. Um... Then we get a, a sequence that reminded me of Evil Dead, right? which is when we're scavenging weapons. And I was very disappointed, because Spoonie finds, like, a broadsword in, a in like, a chest that's in the center of the living room. Yeah. And we could see him swing it around. It's like, ooh, so we're going to have a sword in this movie. Fun. And then someone gets out an electric meat, meat carver. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't catch that. I must yeah, have like they're, they're scavenging for equipment and weapons in the house, and one of them pulls out an electric meat carver, which I don't think was ever used in the movie. So, there's... Um, I know you haven't seen it yet. Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, I really enjoy, but there's a really odd scene where it they're having turkey, and Tim Curry pulls out an electric turkey carver, and it doesn't fit the scene, it doesn't make any sense of why he would put it in there. Um, and Steph and I we were watching this last time. Like, why is that there? Like, I don't understand what that's supposed to to do. Maybe it's just supposed to be funny. Like, you're not expecting this to happen. Um, so yeah, I I didn't I didn't even notice the meat the meat the electric meat carver. Um, well, it just seemed like like in a movie about fighting werewolves, and we've already demonstrated that we're willing to show people puke on each other, and you know, dogs bite people's guts and stuff it's like yeah you could do some serious damage with an electric meat carver and have some really gory shit but they never used it um, uh, the thing is because you i thought it was going to be like the evil dead remake where we get some arm cutting or something <laughs> the the chainsaw face fucking <laughs> um but yeah uh we we go upstairs and uh coop and the the gal's name is megan by the way um yes they, uh, like they bring Sarge upstairs, and we get this really, again, kind of goofy scene where they're trying to patch him up. So Coop has Megan find some super glue in the house. And the idea is they're going to use the super glue to suture his stomach, basically. Um, Not the best idea, but I've heard it's, worse. It's something. It's something. <laughs> but they, they give him a bunch of booze to serve as like anesthesia. And the dialogue being exchanged here is just really silly. And at one point, um, it becomes clear that he's he feels everything they're doing to him. The booze isn't working. Yeah. And so he sits up and, and like he asks Cooper to, to lay him out. And without hesitation, Cooper just like slugs him right on the jaw and knocks him the fuck out. Yeah. Well, I thought it took and, longer than that in British movies, but. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I thought that would take, like, five hits or something. <laughs> but no, it's just like, whap! Left hook on the jaw, and that's it. So, now we're getting to, uh, we're gonna have to defend the house again. We don't, we haven't really conjured up a plan just yet, I don't think. But they're boarding up the windows, because they've lost a lot of windows. Um, or do they get another, do they get a second attack, lose a lot of windows, board it up, and then have to go through another attack? Uh, 
At this point, we're still boarding up the house. Um, there's actually quite a bit of space between that initial skirmish and the first, like, attack in Ernst. Um, this is where the subject of werewolves gets introduced to the, the, the cast of the film. So the yeah. viewer is very much aware of it. By yeah, we know what's happening. Yeah, but the the soldiers and Megan, it's not really talked about until, like, right about now. Yeah. Where Megan throws it out there, it's like, okay, it clearly you've seen that we're fighting some sort of wolf creatures. Yeah. Um, let's come to terms with the fact that these may be werewolves and operate from the logic that comes with that. And this is where that line about... Uh, they don't use the word unibrow. I don't know if maybe that's an American colloquialism, but they do say where the eyebrows meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, werewolves... Oh, you mean where, like, the eyebrows meet? And I was like, so unibrow is a signifier for werewolfism? Eyebrows. There should be two. <laughs> And this is actually where I, I, I learned a new, I don't know if it's British or uh, British military slang, but uh, they, use the, they use the word born. Uh, they, like, this is born. Um, and apparently it's akin to bollocks. Oh, okay. Or foobar. There was a couple I looked up. I can't remember what... There was one I, I, there was one I definitely had to look up. I'm like, that's <laughs> what that means? Okay. Um, sorry, keep going. Um, so during this sequence, uh, we're all exchanging ideas, getting getting an idea of what it is we're dealing with. Um, a lot of anger and vitriol gets thrown at Captain Ryan, who's basically been no help to anyone. He's just kind of occupying space, and the only the only thing he's basically contributed is trying to kill the dog. Yeah, uh, he's... so Cooper and him go at it like verbally, he... and. Uh, uh, they start to suspect him of some sort of shenanigans because um, it's revealed that his bandages, uh, underneath them, he's completely healed at this point. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. Um, basically what happens is Cooper's yelling at him and is upset with him for a variety of reasons, and he pull, he yanks at his, his shirt, basically, and it's revealed that, oh, this guy who was basically torn apart earlier is fine. And we haven't even been paying any mind to him. Not unlike Sarge, who we actively patched up. This guy's just been left to rot, and he's fine now. Uh, did, but did before he learn... can do anything about it is when the siege happens. Um, did they find out that Cooper uh, knows the captain? Did they? That that's where this comes up is that they have a past. Um, so it, we're getting fragments of the story here, but the, but what we learn is that. Captain Ryan was running sort some sort of maneuvers out in the woods, uh, but the army guys were there mostly to serve as bait for something else. Uh, it wasn't a training exercise. They were hunting something. They were expendable, as he yeah. puts it. And Cooper's not too happy about that. And also, Cooper's unit was selected because Cooper was in it, because Captain Ryan remembered him from weeks earlier. and He clocked him. Out. Yeah. Yeah, they... they we didn't mention that, but yeah, they they hit each other <laughs> when they parted ways. Um, we get this now. This next sequence started to remind me of uh, Nazi zombies a little bit. Um, we're <laughs> kind of fighting off things outside and still like trying to reboard the house. Like, yeah, just, if you've ever played a uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, the zombie mode is very reminiscent. Of this. Um, and then this was one of my so there, there's a few um, few funny. Sh- few funny gags coming up but uh the hammer when the guy's hammering the door 
uh, as he's hammering a door, a hand comes through the ma- uh, werewolf hand comes through the mail slot, and he whacks it with the hammer. I laughed pretty hard at that. That was pretty good. Yeah, there's there's actually a lot of funny gags in this this first attack sequence. Where, um, I mean, one of the things that Cooper has the the guys do, and this was kind of clever, is put on a bunch of pots of water, mm-hmm. just like have them on the burner either for tea or for some other purpose and it turns out that they can use them to throw scalding hot water on werewolves yeah <laughs> which comes into play and it's kind of cool to see because they're they're trying to get this werewolf back outside because trying to come in and through like the the view hole in the door the one guy just chucks a pot of boiling water in its face it's like oh that's fucking savage <laughs> when did they figure out the cameras um i think megan found it and she I think the first time it comes into play is when we get upstairs, mm. and that was a cool idea, and it gives it it gives the movie an interesting look during those scenes too, because the the flash bulbs going off and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. During the scene, we get an, an arm chopped off at the forum with with the aforementioned broadsword. A couple of stun grenades get thrown. Um, <laughs> there's a shot where like Spoonie and I think it's Joe, uh, the football guy. They're this movie came out in 2002 and it shows here uh, where we have two guys standing back to back uh, with machine guns basically doing a contra impression and it's just a shot that's thrown in there just because you know the director was like well that would look cool yeah <laughs> and it's like it, it doesn't make much sense uh, it doesn't have much impact it's just like well that would look cool so but, we're 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 building up to our uh, our final plan which is to get the other car out of the out of the barn. Like she she hints that there's another car over there. Or how do they find out there's another car out there? I'm not sure how they found out about it, but it's it's parked in like a a shed that's out back. Yeah. Um, before that though, I wanted to mention uh, the first glamour shot we get of the werewolves happens upstairs. Mm-hmm. So during the attack, one of the werewolves comes in through the window. Uh, and the sergeant is actually in a bedroom that's upstairs so he's unconscious and it comes in through the window into his room um i really really like the the grand reveal the werewolf because it's it's almost like out of a a fairy tale or something where we get this shot of this unnaturally tall and lanky creature coming in through the windowsill it's like bracing itself on the ceiling and the floor at the same time and you have a gentleman like laying in bed unconscious it's like straight out of like i said like a fairy tale or something mm-hmm. and it's the first shot we get like from head to toe of what these things look like and uh to describe it they have like dark brown skin like leathery skin they're actually pretty lanky like they're thin yeah really lanky probably like seven eight feet tall um claws obviously but the only thing that's like covered in hair and distinctly wolf-like is their head which is kind of unnaturally large and it, it almost looks like something derived from something you'd see in like the history of early man like imagine like a caveman wearing like a bison's head or something mm-hmm. like it, it looks like something that if you saw it at a distance wouldn't look out of wouldn't look out of place i guess where it's like that looks like a man in a suit and it's like it kind of is but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but just, uh, just work with us here yeah the plan at this point is that we survive the initial attack from the werewolves 
but now <laughs> now uh, ammo becomes an issue. Um, yeah, realistically, it should have been an issue like two hours ago, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, but usually, I mean, there's usually just like rifle rounds just hanging about, but they're using semi-automatic weapons. So, I mean, in video games, semi-automatic weapons ammo run out really quick. But if they yeah, had uh, if they had the rifles, they'd be fine. They just have to keep getting rounds of eight every once in a while. They just reload. <laughs> I mean, it would have been kind of. I'm kind of surprised, actually, that there wasn't, like, a hunting rifle in the house or something, or, like, a double-barreled shotgun or some antiquated rifle of some sort. I was actually expecting um, werewolf lore to be... Well, because he mentions the ghost story. Remember? Um, Cooper, he's talking to the guys. He's like, I hear about this place. So it, yeah. would, it would make sense that out here at this, at this location that someone up there might believe in like werewolf folklore and have a few rounds of silver bullets up there or something. Well, I mean, this house in particular wouldn't. <laughs> but well, <laughs> We know that it's not, but I'm saying as far as the story goes, it would make, you would think that that's what they would find, but yeah. I'm, yeah. But yeah, we forgot to mention that, that one of the stories Cooper tells them when they're when they first touch down the woods, basically, is that like he heard he basically heard that um, some some people got murdered in these exact woods. Um, so it's implied that the couple that we saw at the very beginning of the movie are part of those murders. Yeah. Um, so the plan at this point is to get transportation, and apparently there's a vehicle out in a shed that's just across from the farmhouse. Um, the idea is we're going to send Joe and Spoonie outside to act as decoys. And then Joe is going to grab the vehicle while Spoonie uh, distracts the werewolves. Um, <clears throat> so Spoonie goes out. Uh, he pops a flare and you know calls everybody cunts and, and wankers or whatever the fuck British people do. And uh, Joe manages to get in the vehicle. Um, <laughs> when when Spoonie heads back into the farmhouse, he does so via like a rope ladder that they have rigged up to the the top floor where yeah. the Sarge was was situated. Uh, and this is where he says that classic line: um, "I love it when a posh girl talks dirty." Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good because she uh, Megan's there to help him back in. I forget what she says to prompt that, but I just love that line. It's a good one. I I do appreciate like she's an attractive woman. Like she's she's very pretty. Um, at no point. Do these military guys make any kind of sexist remark or sexually aggressive remark? Like, it's 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 nice because that could have come into play later if they had. Um, yeah. But yeah, good. Good yeah, on the I, writers. I'm, I'm happy that wasn't an element in yeah. the script. It's a fr- um, it's a breath of fresh air, isn't it? Thank, yeah, I know. Like 28 days later was not shy about I mean, getting into that stuff. We were gonna get sexually aggressive in a couple of different ways uh, that are. <laughs> Yeah, it was getting um, real rapey. Yeah, real quick too. Real quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not Excuse funny. me. <laughs> um, so we get a really cool moment. This is actually one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Is a uh, the shed. Uh, so Joe is starting up this vehicle, and uh, yes, as he's getting yes. in there, there's a werewolf like cradling. Um, oh, we forgot to mention, at the conclusion of the first siege, uh, we lose a man. Yeah. Uh, I think his name's Terry. And, He's uh, inconsequential. Yeah, I mean, we forgot about him, so <laughs> <laughs> clearly he wasn't that important. <laughs> um, 
yeah at the conclusion of that first attack though he's he like calls out into the darkness like oh you guys are a bunch of fucking pussies and then he just gets yanked out the window Mm -hmm. uh, very suddenly we're not gonna fight anymore (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna close this (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Um, listeners you can figure that out check it out um so what joe discovers in this shed though is he turns on the headlights of this vehicle and there's a werewolf like sitting in front of the jeep and it has terry like cradled in its arms almost like a child and he's still alive but he's quite torn the fuck up he's lost a lot of blood (laughs) yeah and so this werewolf just kind of like casually bends over and bites his head off and then tosses his head into the windshield (laughs) real quick um have you seen jeepers creepers i have damn it all right keep going (laughs) um i was real excited yeah he he tosses Joe has his friend's head tossed at him, and uh, he hits reverse. (laughs) He's like, I'm done with this. Um, And then we get, he uh, drives the Jeep uh, pretty much into the front door of the farmhouse. Yeah. Very recklessly. And uh, I think he backs it up, actually. He backs it up, uh, and this is where we get now the fourth Jurassic Park, because one of them was where they're trying to shut the door and the, the two hands, and you can actually see... Um, the door, the front, the front door has like the the wooden hole where you can just like open up a little latch to look outside, yeah. and that I was like, okay, that's Jurassic Park. Door locks, boot <laughs> up the door, the door locks. locks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he gives a "You're behind me, aren't you?" And yeah. They, I, I actually really like this effect where the can the barely hear this thing wheezing and the <sighs> that was the condensation, the steam coming from its snout. You don't see it; you just see the steam coming out of it. See, they. I think the director was trying to go for a laugh here, but it would have been way more uh, effective if he would have just been sitting there, and then you just you see the breath coming from behind him. That would have been pretty cool. Um, oh, I'm picturing a shot where you see the back of his head, and then the the windshield fogs up, mm-hmm. and just like in the windshield just slightest reflection you can see like the head that's pretty good yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you need to see anyway some um, he he whips out a knife actually and he turns around to face this thing going out like a baller i i like that like going out like billy and um um charles s dutton and alien three fuck yes fuck yeah <laughs> i that's a good way to, i mean honestly if you know you're fucked in a situation like this and you're going against a fucking monster I say like that's the best way to not think about dying is just to fucking go for it just yeah it's a pretty gangster no, way it was, to go it was a good death and then actually uh, another Jurassic Park reference um, the way I wrote it was uh, Joe in the cab you're behind me aren't you Joe gets Nedried he, yeah that's that's <laughs> the Nedry. The, we, we only get an exterior we don't actually see what happens <laughs> but yeah the, we get to see the the vehicle like shaking uh because of the struggle happening in there so it's it's very reminiscent of when the dilophosaurus uh, jumps on wayne knight <laughs> see, i've 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 seen jurassic park a lot and i've been jonesing to rewatch it it's like my star wars it's like my the one i'll just keep watching year after year i think i'm pulling the trigger tonight because it keeps coming up the last couple weeks it's been coming up but yeah, this was, this was the Dennis Nedry. This was my Jurassic Park uh, little notch that I had checked. Um, so now, 
where where do we go from here now? Because it's um, starting to fall apart now. It's starting well, to. Well, we we get the uh, the all is lost moment. Yeah. We get the the downbeat moment in the story because now we're starting to lose guys in rapid succession, and uh, we get a piano interlude, uh, delivered by Megan because there's just a piano in the house. Um, maybe maybe this is another hint that she has some connection to this house because mm. she knows how to play this piano. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the track she plays, I think it's Claire de Lune. Um, it's a piece of classical music. Um, most recently, they used it for the, the Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer, that first trailer. I haven't, I, I've only seen the one trailer. I don't remember. So I'm better than you because I've seen more foreign and classic films, but you're better than me musically. I definitely <laughs> will admit that because uh, you, you can pull this this stuff out of your ass like what are you talking about <laughs> this this great knowledge of all of these like composers and uh, like yeah they're, they're really great and I'm like I don't know who the fuck you're talking about well I only know some things like when, when it comes to like rock or punk rock and stuff like that I don't know anything no as I'm saying you're you're more well read when it comes to composers <laughs> <laughs> mm. but you still are better than me because you've seen more French I'm films. still better than you I've seen more French films there you go. <laughs> um, so we, we get back to Cooper yelling at Captain Ryan because we can't go five minutes without that happening, apparently. Yeah. And uh, we actually get kind of a neat exchange here where Captain Ryan is basically laying it out to them that, you know, I know you guys feel like you're set up, but, like, I'm not the bad guy here. But the line he uses is that, like, I'm sorry, Cooper, that you got passed up for joining the SAS. And for some reason, he's trying to make it like, this is your problem, Cooper. <laughs> yeah. But what he says to him is like, if you had passed, you'd be on my team. And guess what? If you'd been on my team, you'd, you'd be, be dead. dead. And he's like, well, I'm fucking glad I wasn't on your fucking team, you fucking wanker. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty intense conversation. And like I said, the acting in this movie is, for the most part, pretty solid. Yeah, he... Um, I, it's just so weird seeing him play a villain. Uh Davos, the the captain, it's just he he's such a nice he's such a swell guy on Game of Thrones. It's just weird seeing him being a dick. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, here this is where he like starts to reveal a few details about what was going on out in the woods. Where yeah, he he makes mention of a special unit, like a special weapons unit that um, he says are responsible for doing like special animal training and stuff like in World War II there's that famous example of training dolphins to place uh, mines in the sea mm-hmm. and stuff like that so he's it's implied that this these the military is trying to exploit the werewolves in some way always we're always trying to exploit whatever alien or mystical supernatural entity we find if we get it <laughs> we're going to exploit it of course <laughs> oh like just a, like a just like a certain public access television <laughs> show in Milwaukee. There it is. We are going to do it. We are going to get every episode. Every episode, we're going to get something. Refer- it's a huge part of American culture, I think, especially it, film. It absolutely is. I think so. Mm. Um, so at this point, uh, we start to notice that, you know, Sarge is hanging around a lot more, and he seems okay. Yeah. And. So it starts to become pieced together that maybe this werewolf thing is actual werewolfism where it can be passed on through, you know, bites or, or cuts or whatever. Yeah. Uh, because Captain Ryan's fine, 
Sarge is fine. Both of them should probably be dead at this point, or at least dying. Um, and just just in time for our cast to realize this, uh, Captain Ryan starts to transform. Mm-hmm. This was um, actually kind of a creepy scene. Like it, if it had taken a little bit more time to for him to develop, it starts off pretty good though. Like with the hand on the on the table, and he kind of comes up, and you can see his teeth and eyes, and then he goes back down again. Like it's it's pretty good. I'll, I'll give it to him. It's pretty good, except for um, there's a very long tradition of werewolf movies. The transformation sequence is it's it's a thing that you'd have to do, and they they skip it in this movie. I think right. I think that was smart uh, that they they well, didn't show it. Well, like like I said at the top of this recording, Dead Alive, in terms of like gore and mayhem, for it. It's an almost insurmountable task to top that. Yeah. American American Werewolf in London. That's it, on screen on screen werewolf transformation. You're that's the gold standard. You're always going to be compared to that, and in in all likelihood, you're not going to top it. That movie's pretty good. I'll give American Werewolf in London. It's it's pretty good, but the transformation scene is awesome. Like it's yeah, the it's, whole reason to watch that movie, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's magnificent. It's it's why people it's why my dad knows who Rick Baker is. So <laughs> the director of this movie knows that okay, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Like we're not gonna do better than American Werewolf in London. It's just not gonna happen. So don't show it. Yeah. And also this is an action horror movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would agree. So, so it's not as necessary. But yeah, they they basically skip the transformation sequence. Uh, really, all we get is his eyes change color. Uh, he gets some fancy new fingernails, and uh, then he just gets up from under the table and he's full on werewolf. Yeah. Um, he attacks everyone in the room. Uh, <laughs> I loved Sarge's reaction because he just looks up and he says, "That's a dog." Yeah, he said, "That's a dog." <laughs> I, it it actually took me out of the movie because. <laughs> Uh, I was watching the sub. I was kind of doing the subtitles here, and I'm like, "Oh, he's gonna call him something." He's like, "That's a dog." I'm like, "Wait, what?" what <laughs> That's that a dog. Happened? And then he actually picks up like a stick and just yes, fetch. That was funny. <laughs> so there was another gag that was funny we missed um, in the barn that cracked me up when uh, he's cradling the man. He's he takes his head and chops it off. And then throws it at the uh, car that's in the barn. <laughs> that I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, that was pretty good. And honestly, the camera the camera was pretty funny to me. Every time that the camera came up, I, I was getting a good laugh out of that. Cause yeah, it needs to be said that like um, about halfway through this movie, most of the action scenes involving the werewolves, um, there's somebody, usually Megan, using a antique camera to use use the flash basically to fend off the werewolves. Yeah, uh, it comes into play at the very end of the movie, but. Like I said, it gives it an interesting look, and it does seem to make a difference in fighting the werewolves because it's understood that these things are basically unkillable. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, okay. They, we we kind of glossed over that. Like these things are not dying. The, no yeah. damage has been done. We have not seen one be killed. Yeah. We've we've not seen one be killed. Um, we don't have an exact number in regards to how many there are, but it's pretty obvious whatever we're doing to them isn't more than like. A nuisance yeah in fact one of them had an arm cut off and at the end of the film it's pretty obvious they all have all their arms <laughs> yeah um so clearly there's some supernatural shenanigans going on here um but yeah at this point <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> that's a dog. <laughs> um, they manage to fend off Ryan, but it's very important to note that uh, he gets. They run him through with the broadsword, mm-hmm. and he escapes. But he never he never takes the sword out. It's no. still just in the middle of his torso. So if if you want some indication of like how much damage a sword to the torso does to a werewolf, there's your answer. It doesn't really bother them that much. Yeah. Um. So at this point, uh, we get a a a, a heartfelt moment between uh, Cooper and and uh, I think Spoonie, because they're they're talking about Sarge and how uh, he's fine like he's miraculously healed at this point and at this point in the movie is where i started to like the soundtrack was kind of bugging me earlier in the movie like it sounded cheap to me but at this point like there's a couple of key melodies that pop up that i start to like it <laughs> like i was like you know this is starting to work for me and uh the sarge and cooper start talking about like they start making plans like so there's a good chance they'll turn into one of these things. Yeah. And that's going to be bad for you and Spoonie and Megan and stuff. Um, what are we going to do about that? And I, unfortunately, I couldn't get the quote down because it's, it was too long and too fast. Uh, but they're talking about the nature of a werewolf transformation. Mm-hmm. And is it like taking a piss or taking a shit? Yeah. Because yeah. the Sarge is like, what if it's like taking a piss and like, there's nothing you can do once it, once it, once it's got to happen, it's going to happen. And the Cooper counters that with, like, but what if it's, like, taking a shit? Like, you can, you can hold on to that for a while. Yeah. Like you, can, you can hold that back for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, just, it's this, like, intense, important conversation that they're trying to, like, rationalize how best to go about it. You know, this, this, uh, this final scene, so um, Cooper is... He's, they've kind of split up at this point. Um, the plan is for... Um, the sergeant, he's going to basically sacrifice himself. Um, aliens. Well, he, well, he he wants to. Yeah. But the the alternative that Megan throws out there is, she doesn't tell them to do it, but she does say like, oh, uh, if these werewolves are anything like wolves, she describes how their den would be, like. She's basically describing the shed outside. Yeah. And Cooper pieces it together, and he's like, Oh, you're trying to tell me the werewolves live in the shed. <laughs> so the plan becomes to blow the shed. Yeah. And we get this big dramatic moment where they blow the shed, and then it very quickly becomes apparent that that was completely pointless. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. Which is when we get our grand reveal of Megan as... Well, do you want to get into it? <laughs> yeah, uh, American Werewolf in Paris came out um, before this because that was definitely the nineties. Um, yeah. So yeah, the she has been a part of that family, and she says like, "You were my my chance to like get out of here." But I think what she was getting was like, "You were gonna kill the rest of this family and take me out of here." And she's like, "And you failed at doing that. You're fucked." So basically. I've been lying to you this whole time. I uh, pretty much set you up, and now we're gonna fucking eat you, uh, ombre. <laughs> you look delicious. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot, a lot of information changes hands at this point. They, they, in, like in, it, it's a in lot. like twenty seconds. Yeah. Um, she reveals that she's part of the werewolf family. Yep. This is their house. Uh, she led them there on purpose. Um, Coop deduces that the family photos in the house were taken by her. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is why she's not in any of the photos. Um, and then the final reveal is that uh, she unlocked the back door. And so we get this neat shot of like the other werewolves. This like, was a cool part, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Where it, like the whole family of werewolves is standing behind her, and the lighting tunes up in time with her, like revealing that she's able to transform into one too. <laughs> and then very er- unceremoniously, Shar- Sarge like caps her in the forehead before she even fully transforms. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, this is actually this this final this final bit reminded me of Dead Alive a little bit in the house. Um, yeah. So they they split up. Uh, Sarge is down in the kitchen, um, and then uh, Cooper Cooper ends up in the bathroom. Yeah, Cooper and Spoonie go upstairs. No, Spoonie's I'm in sorry. the kitchen. Spoonie's and in the kitchen. Sarge and Cooper go upstairs. Um, Cooper ends up in the bathroom by himself, and he hilariously um, toe taps a sink a few times before he kicks it all the way. I I was like, what's he doing with that fucking sink? He's just like, eh, eh, oh, and kicked it over. <laughs> uh, he wasn't touching it, and it, he's giving. He's supposed to be giving like a. It looks like he's giving a lot of effort, but he's not touching the sink at all. Um, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, I mean, I'm sure the prop was very fragile. Mm-hmm. It's like, we only have one of these, Kevin. So be careful. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> prop department worked really hard on this. Yeah, be careful. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, the, the, the boxing scene, uh, yeah. <laughs> this was good. Um, it was. I enjoyed it. He's, he's literally putting up his dukes, hitting the ones and twos, jab, 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 and... <laughs> He ends up, um, he gets thrown around, he's throwing dishes, he's throwing pots and pans, he's literally throwing everything he can at this, uh, at the werewolf. Um, and how does he, how does he die? Uh, so Spoonie, yeah, while, while Coop and, uh, the Sarge are upstairs, um, by the way, they're doing some savage work on those walls. It's kind of cool, actually. Uh, reminded me, another Jurassic Park reference. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, when the raptors are attacking them, they have to dig underneath the door. That's Jurassic Park. That's the Lost World. Yeah, that's the Lost World. I'll um, count it. <laughs> all out. All out. Uh, so yeah, well, so Cooper and uh, Sarge are trapped, but they're maneuvering through the second floor of the house by like literally cutting through the walls with improvised tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of cool to watch. Um, meanwhile, Spoonie's in the kitchen, boxing a werewolf. And we get a, a cute little moment where he kicks the werewolf, and we get to see one of its teeth like fly yeah, into the wall. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was pretty. It was cute. Yeah. I, I liked it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a losing battle. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we get a really savage moment there where he gets a kitchen knife and he goes to town on this. He's werewolf. shanking the fuck out of him like. <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's going yeah. to town. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but eventually, just he gets overwhelmed. He gets the shit kicked out of him, and I think two two werewolves just devour him. Like they turn him into chunky salsa. Yeah, they they fuck him up. Something yeah, terrible. They, they mouth fuck him to death. Um, and then uh, upstairs though, our two guys reunite. So they manage to like break through the same wall. I think Cooper comes into the the closet or like the crawl space that the sergeant. He's in the bathroom. Sarge is in the yeah. bathroom because he's got he's got that can of spray and he's got the lighter. He's like burning him. He's like, I'm running out, running out. 
I really like the energy of this this final escape sequence. Like it, it, it seems feels frantic. manic and yeah. like really intense. Actually, it is. I agree. and I like watching the werewolves like just tear the fuck through doors and stuff. Because <laughs> it's not like zombies where it's gonna take a long time. It's like no, we gotta hurry. <laughs> it's like we gotta these things go. are big and strong. Yeah, and this is also when we get some like the better glamour shots of the werewolf costumes. Yeah, we're there's fine. like one in particular where it's like there's fog in the hallway and they're like groping down the hallway it's a tracking shot where like the camera's sliding back on a dolly it just looks really cool yeah that 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 was my big problem with this is we didn't like i get that you need to keep your you don't want to show too much but they did a pretty good job with these costumes like you could show it a bit more and a little earlier just a bit more in the shadows and you don't have to show the full body you can show the full body at the end but they could have shown a bit more more hands yeah they could have and especially since when we do finally get to see them like and have our view like un- uninhibited they actually look pretty good mm-hmm. so it's like maybe they do. you should take more pride in your creation or something but um <laughs> the w- the way we the way our two remaining heroes manage to escape uh, is they they break through a yet another wall and it's a bedroom and sarge comes up with this idea to get into a, a, a wardrobe so it's two two dudes like standing face to face in a wardrobe that probably has like three square feet of standing room and then it's very obvious that the werewolves are outside so it's like what's the plan sarge uh he underworlds them out of the uh, out of this wardrobe and by underworlds them uh i'm talking about kate beckinsale underworld yeah um he uses an mp5 which he somehow found and he shoots a ring around their feet and the floor drops out, and they go back. They fall into the kitchen. I was thinking um, uh, Fifth Element. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's another good one. In fact, that's better, because I think Underworld came out, like, after this. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, they, they shoot out the floor to escape and drop back down into the kitchen. And <laughs> we get the cheesiest line in this movie. Um, they discover what remains of Spoonie. And, like I said, he is literally chunky salsa. Yeah. Like he is he is just a mess. And this calls back to Sarge's story about losing his friend in Iraq. Where it's like, this doesn't look human anymore. This is just a pile of goo. Um, Coop asks Sarge, where's Spoonie? And Sarge, like, finds a dog tag or something akin to it and says, there is no spoon. Mm. I was like, hmm. Yeah. No <laughs> you could have kept that one. Uh, Matrix reference, in case you don't know. Um. So yeah, now now we have uh, now this part kind of confused me. It, they did. The editing was so quick when we get down to the basement, which is where their den actually is. Um. So it looks like he's got some like Texas Chainsaw. They've got like Texas Chainsaw Massacre people hanging. Like yeah, meat they have hanging. like pe- people jerky or something that they're making. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty creepy, and you could have shown that a little bit more. Like it just happened so fast, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what was that? I kind of missed it a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a real missed opportunity to really scare the shit out of people with that one. Um, well, I don't think the intention was ever to scare, but yeah, the, the imagery in that basement was actually pretty cool. Yeah, like there's some interesting blue lighting going on in there. Uh, a lot of weird antiques and stuff it looks like a traditional haunted house um, um so the way we get to the basement is uh sarge starts to transform uh and 
he decides to he decides someone has to make it out of this <laughs> so he demands that cooper uh go into a trap door that they find just spur of the moment uh into the basement of the farmhouse and meanwhile sarge uh starts to rig up he blows out the pilot light of the stove or the oven rather mm-hmm. and you know simple math gas explosion yeah. <laughs> So he's like mid transformation. We get like some of the best glamour shots of these werewolves like surrounding him. And meanwhile, though, in the basement, Cooper and the dog, because you know the dogs gotta make it. <laughs> they're trying to escape through the basement, but then oh my god, there's another werewolf in there. And very quickly, because it still has a sword lodged in his chest, we figure out that oh, that's Captain Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have our boss fight in the basement. Yeah, he's talking shit, and he's like, "Oh, you ain't got no balls." We'll kick you in the balls. You ain't got any balls. Cause he's just like shit talking, trying to get a rise out of him. Um, they they slap box a little bit, uh, go at it, and he gets uh, Cooper gets knocked down, and he sees um, the dog jumps on um, on his back, which not gonna happen. Uh, my dog would not do that. She would be running or just barking. She's not gonna <laughs> jump on this <laughs> thing's back. Um, but he gets knocked down. The dog's on on uh, the the back, and he finds this little silver um, letter opener that we found at the beginning of the movie. And he has like that, oh, <gasps> folklore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he just comes up and just stabs him um, just right in the chest. And uh, yeah. you you can see his skin start to change, like melt a little bit. And then um, he just shoots him in the head, and then we get the uh, Mac behind the head, blood splatter. Um, and then yeah. they blow up, and then um, Sergeant blows up. He he goes to light a match, and he's or he goes to strike the lighter, and then the lichen just knocks it out of his hand as if like he was expecting that. So he lights the pilot light, and poof, yeah, goes up. And then we get a fun miniature gas explosion. Uh, the farm. They couldn't afford to blow up a farmhouse. So. <laughs> um, they used a miniature. It's kind of cute looking. Very obviously a miniature, but I appreciate it. Mm. By the way, um, am, am I wrong, but did that final boss fight in the basement remind you of Super Shredder in Ninja Turtles 2? I, I didn't get to finish Super... I didn't get to finish Terminator... Or Terminator Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I got I to... I got to vanilla... How? I got to Vanilla Ice, and I'm like, okay, it's time for garbage pizza. It's, it's time. How, how the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, I got to the Vanilla Ice, and I'm like, you know what? Good. Well, so you missed Kevin Nash? Goddamn. Yeah, I didn't know he was in that. <laughs> oh, Kevin Nash was a wrestler who's notorious for ruining wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen him before. He played the Russian in uh, Tom Jane Punisher. Uh, I thought the Jackal ruined wrestling. A lot of things have ruined wrestling. <laughs> um, by the way, um, teeth trauma. Holy shit. Yeah. The, um, well, I don't even want to talk about it. There's yeah, teeth trauma. Um, there's just teeth trauma. So, there's certain types of violence and trauma in, in film or whatever that a lot of people can't handle. One of those is teeth. Um, if you have problems with teeth trauma in films, maybe turn off this movie before the the final scenes 28 days later and i think blade runner has it as well i can't i can't even remember now but i watched two movies back to back that had eye trauma just the yeah eye trauma is a big one i know ear ear is really bad too the eyes do it for me one of the most eyes are really common teeth is rare but 
<laughs> one of the most intense episodes of Game of Thrones ended with one of the most intense ways to die. Like it, it, it is, it is, eye trauma. It's one of the greatest. It, it was one of the most infuriating episodes of Game of Thrones history, but it was also just wow. Just you, you blew my did, mind. Did with someone that. get Rutger Howard? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's enough happened. said. That's what happened. Uh, so yeah, uh, movie ends with Cooper having survived, um, and then we get a photo montage over the credits. Um, it's fucking, oh, it's fucking cute. Actually, it's the, funny. The image I... we get is a black and white photo of Cooper looking just like, Ugh. and uh, we pull back really quickly. It turns out the photo is in like a tabloid, like the Daily Sun or something. And it says, like, my boys got killed by werewolves. And then just below that, it says, England 5, Germany 1. England 5, Germany 1. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I thought I that was song. really cute. I think, that, that, I think that, that, that was the result of the soccer game that Joe was bitching about. I'm pretty sure that that's a song. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I think maybe... Then, oh, I was just going to say, uh, the, the other photos that play over the, the credits are uh, stills. Um, it's implied that it's stills that uh, Megan had taken mm-hmm. when she was using the flashbulb to scare off the werewolves. So it's an interesting, like, candid look at the action. And it, the framing of it just has an interesting look because it's black and white photos with a flashbulb. So it gives you a look at, like, the werewolf costumes completely dressed down, like, without any clever lighting or editing to hide them behind. And they look good. Yeah, I think that this movie was the director saying like i can do a serious movie i can do the dialogue stuff um i yeah. can do the gore i can do the makeup effects i can do comedy what do you want me to do i can do it do a little bit of everything in this how about that <laughs> well it's it's only his second movie and th- there is something to be said for uh not i think young and inexperienced often leads to people trying to stretch themselves yeah like if you, if you get that combination, a lot of times, if you give someone an opportunity, you'll get a unique product. In a lot of ways, this movie intentionally pays homage to that which came before, but it has its own flavor that's a little different from anything else. That's it out there. it does have its it does have its own flavor. Um, I I can appreciate it more now talking about it, but as far as rewatchability, absolutely not. Uh, it's, no, I, it's, I don't see myself going back to this movie anytime soon. It's worth watching once, I'll say. Give, give it, give it a whirl. Um, I mean, just some, for the concept. I mean, yeah, I, I, there's never been a soldiers versus werewolf movies that I know of, unless you count like the underworld movies. But no, um, yeah, there's some very, very good dark comedy moments in here. Um, maybe understated, really. I think that. <laughs> I think it's worth watching just for those. Um, but yeah, uh, we pretty much end with Cooper and the dog making it out alive. So Yeah, and I guess there was a sequel at some point, not directed by the same person. There was plans for a TV series that fell through. So it's, it's a movie that has a bit of a legacy, not much of one, but it is kind of interesting looking at this director's filmography and seeing that like he's he's still working like yeah. he's, he's kicking around he's doing well he does good stuff new, too that new hellboy is that's a big deal yeah because it's a not guillermo hellboy which mm, i really want to i want i hope nothing happens to him before at the mountains of madness happens 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I know he he's been producing a lot of stuff, but I still don't know what his his next uh, directing gig is. It's like Daniel Day Lewis. Like, what's he gonna do next? Like, what, Honestly, what is it? That's what it feels like. Is like that's always the case with Daniel Day Lewis's career, where it's like he goes away for five, six, seven years, and then he comes back, and it's like I don't care what it is, but I need to see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's how he got me in the theater to see Lincoln. Uh, Dang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, actually, now that you mention it, I went too. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you do. It's what you <laughs> do. Daniel Day Lewis has put a new movie out. It's what you do. But uh, yeah, that's uh, about all I had to say about him. Yeah, so that was 2002's Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us as we caught up on cinema. Yep. Until next time.